We were a household divided <laughs> for a couple of days this week. It's Honorado and Bagnardi. It's Chris Honorado. It's Ashley Miller in for Sean Bagnardi this week. And when the Yankees and the Braves play one another, it doesn't happen all that often. We've gone to that that matchup in person, Ash. Things get a little more tense in our household, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But we're we're adults. We can handle it. Yankees keep rolling. Mets keep falling. Um, there is some news. I don't know that I'm going to call it good news, but there is yeah. some news with Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard that Mets fans can at least look forward to. There is a pitcher at the Little League World Series who is dominating. I'll give you my general thoughts on the Little League World Series before we dive into that. Um, and there are quarterback battles in NFL training camps that have already been decided man we are close to the NFL season that's what I learned from all that we'll discuss which teams got it right and which teams got it wrong but honestly bigger than the two of us Ash Dan Patrick is on this week's show we will talk with DP coming up at 10 15 if you're watching us on my 4 6 45 is the timing for that let's get it going on Honorado and Bagnardi This is Honorado and Bagnardi, brought to you by Outfit House. All right, Ash, the Yankees continue to roll. You may have noticed a new logo at the bottom of our yeah. screen there. We'll get into a really cool partnership we have starting in the NFL season. But the Yanks keep rolling. At the middle of the week, it was the longest winning streak, 11 straight since 1985. Now, we were, I was born in the 80s. You tell people when you were born if you want. I don't care. Um, but I don't remember the Yankees in 85. And I don't remember the Yankees being any good in the 80s at all. So when I saw that they had an 11-game winning streak in 1985, oh, I didn't, I didn't know they had that in them in that decade. Um, they still won a ton of games, regular season games in the 80s, but not the titles the way Yankees fans uh, are accustomed. So 11 straight for New York, a team that I thought, no chance they're making the playoffs. Yep. Get them. They're done. They're dead. This is not a roster that is able to win games in critical moments. They've won 11 straight. How the heck are they doing it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I was born in the 80s. I was not born in 1985. <laughs> uh, you can, yeah, I'm young. Uh -huh. uh, I, listen, they're not doing it in the ways that anyone thought they were. And I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens when you get when you start to get guys back who are regular players, like it sounds stupid, but do you mess with a good thing by putting a Glaber Torres, by putting, you know, putting these guys back into the lineup when it's guys like Andrew Velasquez and Luis Heal who have been a huge part of the success of this team? Obviously, having Anthony Rizzo back helps. Um, and Luke Voigt before Rizzo came back was playing off the charts. So yep. I think Aaron Boone still needs to find a way to get him playing time and keep him happy because he's a super valuable piece, especially offensively to that puzzle. The problem is, is Anthony Rizzo is just as good, if not better, and defensively is a better first baseman. Um, so they're not doing it in the way that anyone thought they were. They're, they're manufacturing runs, which is not the 
you know, hasn't been the Yankees of the last 10 years or the last five years, at least it's been all long ball. They can still hit the long ball. Um, and guys like Rugnet Odor haven't even mentioned him. And I know it was kind of like a laughable signing, but like that guy has been clutch in every sense of the word and has also helped keep this team afloat and uh, helped get them on the run that they're on with 11 straight. You saw the shot of Giancarlo Stanton there. He he has gotten hot in the two yeah. games they played in Atlanta, um, and obviously a huge series with with the Oakland A's this weekend. Um, what would you do if you're Aaron Boone? I know the New York media asked Boone, uh, is this a good problem to have? You've got <clears throat> who are basically bench guys or minor league guys contributing in big ways. Would you keep these guys in the lineup? Glaber Torres is back healthy. Um, if if some other guys come back, are you now saying, hey, Andrew Velasquez, I know you've helped us tremendously, but Rugnet Odor, I know you've helped us tremendously, but how would you play this if you're Boone? I mean, Velasquez and Odor are, are different because Velasquez is a young guy who you just brought up. Odor's a veteran. He's been in the league a long time, and he's produced at a really high level this year. I think at some point you have to put Velasquez back down or you add him to the roster in September and allow yeah. him to be yep. part of, of something special, hopefully uh, in the postseason. But I, I don't think anyone can fault you for putting a guy like Labor Torres back into the lineup. I personally wouldn't because he's underachieved in my mind this season in particular. Um, I let I let the guy who's producing go until he's not producing anymore. And then at that point you make a switch. But can you keep a guy like Labor Torres on the bench knowing – his potential. Um, but it's, listen, I'm done with the word potential with that guy. We haven't seen it. We've seen glimpses of it, but he hasn't been the guy that everyone said he was going to be when they acquired him. You're talking about Torres. Torres. Yeah. I mean, look, Glaber Torres is in the same conversation as the DiMaggio's because of what he produced at 22 years old or before the age of 22. But the power numbers are way down, like you said. And <clears throat> here's the tricky thing with baseball, I think, especially because it's such a long season. Unless you are in that clubhouse, unless you're in that dugout, it's hard for us to quantify the impact that chemistry is having on this team. And so if you do shake things up just to get your opening day starters back into this lineup, does it really mess with the way that things are going for this team? Are they are they simply beating bad teams at this point? I mean, the Oakland series will perhaps tell us a good amount. Um I don't know. A playoff caliber a team teams, right? Go ahead. That's also a team that's kind of gone the other way. Going to, yes. Week. So, you know, I, I'm not sure that that series is going to tell us a lot. But two games against the Braves, those are two good wins. It's not like, you know, the series, the couple series before when you're beating mediocre teams like the Twins, you have to beat those teams. Two wins against the Braves uh, is a little more telling. And you have to beat the A's, or at least I would say you get – at the very least, you split. But if you can split. get three or four, sweep that series, that's huge because they're so close. They're a game and a half back of Boston in the wild card, and Boston is right behind New York. So um, it's a huge series in Oakland. I think it's one of those series that could tip things one way or the other for the rest of the season. Like you go out and lose four straight in Oakland, and mm. we've gone from 11 you know, in a row to, well, now you're in real trouble. So. Uh, the great Dan Patrick coming up in fewer than 10 minutes here on Honorado and Pagnardi. Ashley Miller in for Sean this week. News today was that, you know, Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard are getting closer. Uh, we had heard the timeline on deGrom was being pushed back before he was even going to be able to throw a ball, but the Mets were going to allow him to do that. Uh, he is doing that. It was scheduled to start throwing on Thursday. 
Whether or not we ever see him on a mound again this year is going to depend a lot on where the Mets are or are not in the standings for that matter. And I would say the same thing about Syndergaard here. Maybe you want to get him some starts before the year is out, even if you're not in playoff contention, just so he has a little bit of a feel of a major league atmosphere again uh, in 2021. It's been so long for him, but Syndergaard has rehab assignment starts on his calendar um, so maybe maybe we do see Syndergaard Ash in September at City Field or or on the road with the Mets, uh, regardless of where they are in the standings. But I would, you know, look the way the Mets are playing now. Why, yeah, do more with Jacob Degrom than simply have him throwing off flat ground? I, I don't understand the, and I'm not saying that they are rushing him back, but if they do ramp up his throwing program, I just won't understand it. Yeah. I- for me, if they can't come back like this week or in the next 10 days, like why push it? You're seven games back at the end of the week. Who knows what you'll be back? And, and like you said, I think it really depends on where they are. But I don't think you push either of them back to try to get this. Listen, this team fell out on its own. You can't depend on two guys to try to get this team back into the NL East race and, and potentially affect the rest of their careers. We already know like these guys are injury prone. Snendegaard's been a mess. He hasn't pitched in a really long time. And you don't mess with a guy like Jacob deGrom, who's won Cy Young's and before his season was cut short this year, was going to win the Cy Young, potentially Mm -hmm. the MVP Mm -hmm. for what he was doing on the mound (laughs) and at the plate, which is so ridiculous. Um, But yeah. Would you directly tie the deGrom absence to the Mets free fall? Can it be that simple? No, I don't think it is only because they were, listen, he was the reason they were winning a lot of games, but they weren't overproduced. That offense wasn't overproducing for him either. They were losing games when he was in, or he was getting a no decision, or they were winning because they would score two and he would give up one. It's not like they were giving him five, six, seven runs a game when he was pitching. But I think the offense has has been drastically different. Listen, Pete Alonso coming out of the home run derby was really, really good. And then he dropped off the face of the earth. It, guys like Francisco Lindor and uh, Javi Baez have been injured. Like there's a lot going on there, but I think you've said it before. That's offensively not a great team to begin with. So I'm not sure where the runs are going to come from with or without Noah and Jacob DeGrom back in the lineup. This was their owner's tweet uh, a little more than a week ago know questioning the offense's ability and and yeah it is it is more than suspect uh it is not a quick fix Javi Baez was simply not going to be inserted into this lineup and all of a sudden it would take off and and he has been injured he's missed two weeks Lindor's missed a bunch of time like you said Ash but he is now back um Alonzo you know again yes struggling and he's had big spots here in the last week plus final out in the ninth inning an opportunity to deliver with runners in scoring position and he hasn't gotten it done. So the clutch, right? If you believe in clutch actually being a, t- I think it is um, the Mets have not had it this year, certainly. And and it has continued now to the point where you said, yeah, middle of the week, there's seven games back and Atlanta lost back-to-back games to the Yankees, which ended a nine game winning streak for them. So there, and, and now, you know, Atlanta then had two days off in the middle of the week. There's been an opportunity for the Mets and the Phillies, lump them into it too. There are, they weren't beating Tampa Bay. Opportunities for those teams in the NL East to try to catch Atlanta, and it, and it hasn't happened. Let me just ask you one thing about the Yankees here before we get to Dan Patrick. Do, do you think they have enough in the tank here with a month to go 
to catch Tampa Bay? Or are you already thinking, you know what, we're going to have to win a wild card game? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I also didn't think they would make the playoffs, though. And listen, that's not out of the realm of possibility. If you tinker with stuff and all of a sudden you lose five of ten like, and a couple other teams win – you're not talking about the wild card. Like the wild card could be out of the question if you start to lose a couple games. I don't think you focus on winning the division at this point. The problem is, is Tampa just doesn't lose. Like you can, we, this team has won 11 in a row and there's still four games back in the division. It's like no matter how much you win, you're not making up ground in the division because Tampa isn't doing you the favor of losing any of those games. So it's, I think that is like, you're working really hard, but just not going anywhere. So forget about it. If you happen to, to win the division, great. But I think now your focus just be, it becomes holding on to that first wild card spot and making sure you do enough to get in. All right, we're going to get to the Little League World Series discussion uh, later on in the show. Um, and I'll share my general thoughts of the, the Little League World Series. Um, but there is a phenomenal, I'll call it a performance, but it, but it is an encore. Every single time this kid takes the mound, it, it, you have to talk about it. You have to at least watch the highlights of it, and 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 I'm certainly uh, doing that. But we've got the opportunity to talk with the great Dan Patrick earlier this week. I want to bring you that conversation next, uh, live from his studio, where he does his show every morning on Peacock TV. And, of course, you can hear him on the radio in the Capital Region as well. A man who was one of the ESPN Sports Center pioneers and now has branched out in a big way to TV and digital platforms. He just continues to grow this industry, and uh, and we're so honored to have him on the show today. Dan Patrick coming up next right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Happiness is found in simple things. The sun on your face. Sharing laughs. At the campground. Getting wet. Relaxing together. The love of family. There's never been a better time to go outside and play. Alpenhouse Pool Spa Boat and RV. Bringing families together and creating memories since 1964. Teams. Athletes. Organizations. We're transforming the custom apparel industry through product and purpose. Claim your crown. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. Back on Honorado and Bagnardi, and I mean, my goodness, what a thrill to speak with one of the absolute legends and titans of this industry. And, and as we go through this conversation, Dan, I'll bore you with how you've impacted you know, my career pursuits. But first of all, thank you so much for taking the time. It's, it's great to speak with you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Fire away. All right, so the great Dan Patrick with us here. You, of course, watch him on Peacock TV. And if you're listening to the radio in the Capital Region of New York, you get him on Fox Sports 980 as well. Um, let me just first, Dan, ask you about how you ended up on the many platforms you have throughout your career. Because while you've been a pioneer, you've also really kind of embraced and adjusted with the times. Um, what was your immediate reaction when they said, we're going to stream the show after you had been on TV 
for so long? Well, I think that's where we're headed. That um, I I was lucky that I got in at CNN when CNN first started. Lucky that I got into ESPN when ESPN was starting. And therefore, I wasn't afraid to take a chance. I left ESPN, uh, what, almost 15 years ago. And I wasn't afraid to take a chance. I was going to do a simulcast. I was going to make it look and feel differently. And then when the opportunity to, came up with Peacock to stream the show, I thought, great, because then you're part of something that you're building. And that's what I've been a part of, building uh, CNN Sports, ESPN, to then you know building a podcast and then building a simulcast with this show. So it, it just seemed like that's the evolution of where we're headed with all the streaming partners. And Peacock's been wonderful. There's nothing better than having a boss who doesn't bother you. <laughs> That's it. What is that like? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's freeing because you don't you don't do anything and think oh, I'm going to hear about this. It's it's really rare when we hear from somebody. Um, there are probably times we should, but for the most part, <laughs> I think they figured out that this is who we are, what we are, and does it matter if they tell us you know that was good or bad or indifferent. Well, my buddy Sean and I have been at this for about three months, and and we're thankful to our bosses because they do leave us alone, really, for the most part. Um, if if you haven't listened to and and Dan, no surprise, somebody like Ryan Russillo can certainly steal my thunder. But but Russillo and you went went way back in time, which was a lot of fun to listen to on his podcast. So people go listen to the Russillo podcast with Dan because he tells a great story about calling Direct TV and really how this show became you know what it is now that we watch. Uh, every single day. All right, so your producer, Fritzy, helped me out here. I want to give him credit for for helping to align this segment. Um, will he get fired for this, hooking up with a show in Albany? And then when you had to kind of arrange your schedule because I couldn't do a certain day, what was your immediate reaction? Be honest. Well, first of all, he's not a producer. He's a booker, and he knows that. But he <laughs> tries to He's. I think he's trying to produce this. He also said it was a show in Rochester. So, so he, did, like he didn't even get that right. But uh, other than that, he got your name right, Chris, and that's about it. All right, so you thought I'd ask you a bunch about the Bills, which people even here in Albany remind us there's only one team in New York. I'll ask you a question about the Bills here. Will they miss the most games this year because of unvaccinated players? Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, you got Cole Beasley, but yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't taken inventory with all of these teams so far. I, I mean, it's one of those where if I wanted to find out, I probably could, but I I'm trying to be fair to people in what they want to do, need to do what they should do, what teams are doing, the league's doing, but I, I hope Buffalo has another great year because I I said I don't think there was a player more valuable to his team last year than Josh Allen was, mm. and uh, it's been a great it's been a great story because I don't think that was a great team last year. Um, you know, I didn't think they had a running game. I didn't know. I didn't think the offensive line was great. You did have digs there and uh, a pretty opportunistic defense, um, but it's nice to have somebody other than the Patriots come out of the <laughs> the AFC East. Yeah, it was. And people here, even in the capital region, were fired up about Buffalo last year. Um, okay, let me ask you a couple of quick NFL things here, too, Dan. Uh, is Aaron Rodgers playing for the Packers in 2022? I could only make the prediction that he was going to be playing there in 2021. Um, I don't know. Um, 
If I was going to make a prediction, uh, I would probably say that uh, he'll be there in 2022. But mm. I said all along that he was going to be there in 2021. Uh, and here we are. But as far as next year, you know, if they're successful, people tend to think, well, they're the Packers. They don't play in a strong division. They got Aaron Rodgers. They're going to win. Well, they have one of the tougher schedules here. Yeah. They have to face the AFC North and the AFC West. And while they don't have a lot of competition in their division, you know, there's no guarantee that they win 11, 12 games. There's no guarantee that they're going to be hosting the NFC title game this year. You know, the further along they go, the more likely that Aaron stays, I guess. But he might get to the title game again. They lose the title game. And then he says, you got to get me more weapons here. Whatever. I mean, it might make him even matter. So I, I don't know. I just I know we we got to this point and I'm happy that he's still in Green Bay. Who wins a playoff game first for the first time in a long time, the Giants or the Jets? I'll say the Giants because of the division they're in. The Jets, you still got to deal with. I mean, the other teams are just a lot better. Miami's a good team. Buffalo's potentially a great team, and New England is a competitive team. Uh, so I, I would say the Giants only because of the division the Jets play in. Okay. Um, how do we fix – well, maybe maybe you, you tell me it doesn't need to be fixed. Baseball. How do we fix baseball? Are you watching a lot of baseball these days? Does it bore you the way it does some? My co-host who isn't with us here today, Sean, will tell you, nobody hates baseball like baseball fans. Um. Well, I, I guess it's it's the oldest demographic we have of the major sports, but it, it's, a, it's a local sport. It's not the national pastime. And I think once you get past that, there are local markets where it does extremely well. Uh, you have extremely loyal fans in mm. these local markets. It's just nothing really resonates nationally. You know, Shohei Otani does. Uh, does, you know, Tatis Jr., maybe. Clayton Kershaw, Mike Trout's out, uh, the Yankees. Like, there's there's not a real pulse here where you go, I got to go see that guy other than mm -hmm. Otani. But um, it's the analytics where this is what you do. This is how you do it. You throw hard until you need Tommy John surgery. You swing <laughs> hard and uh, you either strike out or hit home runs. I grew up in an era when there was movement in baseball, uh, hit and run, sacrifice bunt. Yep. Uh, taking the extra base, hitting the relay guy, like just simple things. I always say, go back and watch a Little League World Series or the College World Series. That's the way baseball used to be. And it's sad to say that, but, you know, do does a younger generation enjoy this? Maybe they don't want to have the other stuff. They want to see guys throwing 100. They want to see guys hitting 450-foot home runs. It's not for me, but maybe baseball is not programming their game for me. They're programming it for the next generation. Yeah, well, I'm I'm with you there. We're only separated by one day on May 16th, mm. um, and I feel the same way that uh, that you do, man. Um, all right, I know you've answered these questions a thousand times already. Allow me to bug you with them all the same. Um, toughest interview you've ever done, either subject or person. Uh, Tanya Harding was difficult just because I wanted to ask her about what happened with Nancy Kerrigan. 
and she had found religion and I wanted to know how did her religion kind of come to terms with this as well. And she, she did not want to talk about it. Uh, Whitey Herzog was talking about a book that he wrote the forward to about the Cardinals. And uh, the book was about drug use with the Cardinals Mm -hmm. and the PR uh, release said, Hey, you can ask him about all of these things. I'm going, is Whitey Herzog going to talk about, you know, his players using cocaine set it in the PR release. And then I brought it up and Whitey didn't want to talk about it. He eventually hung up on me, but those are, those are two that probably come to mind as being difficult. We had Boog Shambi on last sometime last year. Um, so more than 12 months ago now, honestly, even, and I asked him, what was was he ever intimidated in an interview setting? And he told a great story about Barry Bonds basically just telling him to F off in the Marlins clubhouse one day. Um, were you ever, I mean, maybe even just early on, ever intimidated? Because you don't ever strike me as somebody who goes into an interview nervous to ask something. Well, I flew cross country when Bonds was with the Giants. And I remember his agent had agreed to him to do an interview. And I got there, went into the locker room. And I remember some of the giants were like, uh, what are you doing? And I said, Oh, I'm interviewing Barry. And they go, really? I said, yeah. And, uh, bonds was in another room and then he came out and he didn't say anything. I said, Hey, Barry, I'm here to do an interview with you. And he knew nothing about it. Hmm. And then he called, his agent or his handler. And he eventually did it, but my producer handed him the microphone for him to hold. And he said to my producer, <laughs> slavery is over. You hold on to that thing. Whoa. That's how we started the interview. That one was, and he was, uh, he was a good interview. Um, he wasn't great, but he was good. The other one was uh, Lawrence Taylor, this is back in the mid eighties when he was suspended for cocaine use. And I remember going to the press conference, but they didn't allow TV in. It was just the writers. And so Lawrence Taylor came out and he had these dark, dark sunglasses on. And I remember him walking and I was introducing myself and, and I had talked to his agent. I said, you know, I, we'd like to talk to him. And uh, his agent said, yeah, just ask him. Well, Lawrence didn't say anything. I reintroduced myself again. He's walking towards his car. I, I said, look, I'm, we didn't get that, you know, your response. Could you do it on camera? I won't ask you any questions. We just, and, and then he stopped and I could see the whites of his eyes through these dark sunglasses. And he said, if you ask me that bleeping question again, you know, something bad was going to happen. And I turned to my cameraman And I said to him, his name was Ricky, Ricky Shine. I said, Ricky, just keep rolling on this. Because I thought, Mm. you know, if he does something, at least I got some content out of this. (laughs) And I just remember he walked, he kept walking, and he got into this uh, dark blue Porsche and then sped off. Peter King was writing for New York Newsday newspaper. He runs out. And he goes, what, what did he say? So I'm giving him the detail. So Peter is writing about me trying to get this interview with Lawrence Taylor and uh, never got that interview with Lawrence Taylor. Man. 
Um, Art, as, as many people know, you played college basketball. In the age now of NIL, take me back to your college days. What would be the endorsement? You would just, it would be a slam dunk for you. It would be me in uh, layup lines, you know, just, <laughs> just dominating. That'd be, that'd be probably a, about it. I, I wouldn't have been able to take advantage of name, image, and likeness. That's for sure. Well, I didn't play anything in college. I went to Ithaca. Gino's Pizza and probably Natty Light, I've said, would be top of the list for me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, class all the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> top shelf. Uh, all right, final one here for you, Dan. Um, you're on Family Feud with the Danettes. And, of course, you're at the, the top of the table, so Steve Harvey is waiting for your answer, and you're trying to steal from the other team. Hmm. Who's most likely to give you the best answer? Paulie, Fritzy, Seton, McLovin, who are you going to listen to in that big spot? It might be Fritzy because he watches those kind of shows. Therefore, he would know what kind of answers they'd be looking for. Okay. Um, McLovin might overthink it. Uh, Paulie would be snarky. <laughs> Fritzy would probably be... He might be the guy that would be on the level of what they're asking for on uh, Family Feud. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Weekday mornings on Peacock. And if you're on the radio, 980 Fox Sports in the Capital Region is where you can find the Dan Patrick Show. And you can see it on your screen on Twitter at DP Show. Dan, thank you again so much, man. The way you've influenced my career and so many others. Uh, I don't know if that's flattering or just makes you feel old, but you are a titan in this industry, man. Thank you. Chris, thank you very much, and uh, good luck. The great Dan Patrick. We'll react to all of that right after this. We're back in 30 seconds. At Marcella's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Jenner, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. That was awesome. Opportunity to speak with Dan Patrick. Uh, a little bit about his career. Um, as I said, the way he has influenced so many others with what he has accomplished in this uh, in this industry. That was that was a lot of fun. Some That's quick it. comments. Coming in here, uh, Brian, great interview with Dan Patrick. Yeah, he's he's the man. Cheryl wants it back on regular cable. I don't blame you, Cheryl, but but now you get him on Peacock. Check him out on yeah. Peacock, all right? That's that's the place to find him now. Hard to beat DP. There's no doubt about that. And uh, Mark says, Smalbany matters. <laughs> yeah, we got Dan Patrick. We got Dan Patrick. It sure does matter. Yeah, that was that was really cool. And, uh, and Ash, just... I think you'll get where I'm going. What is it that strikes you first and foremost with a guy like Dan Patrick? Well, his voice. Yeah. It's like, like he opens his mouth and you're like, whoa, it's Dan Patrick. Like you wouldn't, I wouldn't have had to see him. And that's kind of the beauty of it. He has such a great voice um, and you don't need to see him to know it. And he is the only one 
on the planet who sounds like that as far as I know. I mean, I right. haven't met everyone in the world, but he's yep. the only one that I know that sounds like that. So it's really cool. And the whole time he's just like, we talked about this a little bit when you got, you knew you were going to have the interview. Like he's just kind of like, yep. He's so relaxed. He, you know, doesn't get too high or too low. Um, he's just really cool. That was awesome. Yeah. He, he was the same way he is every morning. If you watch his, mm -hmm. I'll call it radio show, but it isn't, it's a sports yeah. talk show and he, he's not addressing the camera. A lot of times the way we do here, he's just hanging out, yep. talking sports with a, bunch of listeners and you know four other guys in the room with him so yeah that was cool our, our thanks to dan for taking the time and nbc property with peacock tv and uh and able to help us out here at the nbc uh in albany new york all right we talked about it to him Go real quick i know you kind of mentioned it to him but i said to you before when we knew this was happening i said like he is one of the first people that i remember watching on sports center when he worked at espn and it was like, that to me was like a moment where I was like, okay, this is something I want to do. It was him. It was Linda Cohn. There are others, but he was kind of like very influential in my decision to go in this direction. And I know he was with you too. So that's pretty cool. And to see him still doing it and enjoying it, <laughs> Carol, <laughs> you're right, Carol, sexy voice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's still going um, yeah. and he's still at the top of his game and, and the top of the industry for anybody who's thinking like, well, he's not on TV and he's on, you know, people are finding mm -hmm. shows, streaming services only. It's, yeah. it's only going to continue. The rock man's watching Ash. Great show by the honor. Yeah, we're going to have to change the name of this show pretty soon. Yeah. You're not kidding. Ashley Miller in for Sean Bagnardi this week. Bags is back uh, for the first week of the NFL season. And on that note, we've got a really exciting announcement yes. here uh, on today's show that Pick 6 Vodka of Saratoga Courage Distillery, a local company, a local brand, local people at the heart of it, joining Honorado and Bagnardi for our weekly NFL Pick'em segment brought to you by Pick 6 Vodka. So our thanks to Pick 6 Vodka for teaming up with us and uh, and I cannot be could not be more thrilled to have them as as part of the crew here on Honorado and Bagnar. It's going to be a fun segment each and every week. We'll reveal a little bit more details about how viewers can get involved, uh, an opportunity to win some pick six swag, gift bags, that type of stuff when you go head to head with me and Bagnardi each week. We'll get into that as as we get it a little bit closer to the know. regular season. No, I mean, that'll be a slam. You beat you us every single good, week, I'm sure. Not a slam dunk, but you got a good shot. Good shot to beat him. There's no doubt. So really cool things happening with uh, with Pick 6 Vodka. Right, Sam wants to know, how, do you, how are we picking the guests? It'll be done at random, Sam, but uh, if you watch the show, there'll be ways to get involved where you can kind of get your name into the uh, virtual hat, if yeah. you will, and, and we'll draw names at random. So you got 18 weeks now in the regular season, right? 17 games. 18 weeks, an opportunity each and every week uh, to beat us and uh, and maybe even work towards a larger grand prize at the end of the season. The NFL season is getting close, Ash, and we know that because now teams are finally committing to starting quarterbacks. And actually, I, I'm writing down teams here that I, I don't think I know yet who their, their starting quarterbacks are, but let's go through the ones that have now announced. Okay. okay? Um, 
I'll rattle them off quickly. The no surprise, of course, is Trevor Lawrence. No surprise at all. That, that was not going to be a quarterback competition as much as Urban Meyer may have wanted it to feel like one in camp between the number one overall pick and Gardner Minshew, who's not a bad player. Yeah. You take Trevor Lawrence, who has been the second coming for a few years now, number one overall, he has to start first week of the Gardner season. Gardner Minshew is a backup quarterback in the NFL. Yes. How about this? I saw this stat today. Um, Lawrence is number one overall pick. Of the last 13 quarterbacks to be selected number one overall and start week one, none of them have won. In Go ahead. One. Yeah. Okay, not surprised. I was going to say, hold off on the – I was going to try and guess if it was like how many Sorry. are still active in the NFL, whatever. Um, but none of them won. I'm not super surprised by that. You're on bad teams. Um, I'd be interested to know how many of those 13 are still a starting quarterback in the NFL. Oh. How many, you know, I would look at those names and kind of love, love to break them down to see who who has succeeded, quote unquote, and who has not maybe. Um, so, yeah, interesting. The Jaguars week one, stand by here, at the Texans. Opportunity to win. Opportunity to win. Winnable. I just think we always put so much pressure on that number one pick. Like, even if Trevor Lawrence is really good, like, is he going to take that team to the next level that quickly? Who knows? And now they're without Travis Etienne, which is tough. Um, So we'll see. Um, Next one that... Well, I don't know. The next three, Ash, I'm going to say, I feel like they could have gone almost either way. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater in Denver. Um, when they signed him, you felt like he probably had the inside track because they weren't sold on what Drew Locke had given him in his first couple of years. But Bridgewater in Denver is one. I'm not I'm not stunned. And I don't think that this is an explosive offense with him at quarterback. It's just maybe probably a more consistent mm-hmm. offense. Locke has too many peaks and valleys in his game, uh, but but he is probably a more physically gifted quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater in terms of getting the ball down the field to some of those playmakers that Denver has. Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. We knew that you, was coming. You did? Yeah. Okay. Why? I think you're you're just going to give him time. Like you're going to give Trey Lance time to really succeed when you finally put him in. That's not to say that if Jimmy G goes out and loses the first four games or five games, which I don't think he will, that they won't then insert Trey Lance in. But I think you give him time to learn the offense, to really feel comfortable. You have to put a guy like that in a position to succeed. You're already kind of working against the odds coming from a place like North Dakota State. So like, I think you're... I think you got to put him in a position to succeed. Do you and if think you don't th- need him right away? Why? Why bother? Do you think things go so well with Garoppolo that Lance does not play this year? No, no. I think they'll give him opportunities either way, whether it's in a blowout one way or the. You know what I mean? I think. Well, I'm I'm saying starting, starting a game. <sighs> I think he'll start at some point this season. I do too. I, I don't think even if they are. Three and one, but winning close games. And Garoppolo has as many interceptions or just straight turnovers as touchdowns that they will say, We need the guy to take us to the next level. Yeah, we are winning games, but we're not comfortable with the way we're winning games. We can win games more impressively or, or I guess, click on more cylinders than we are with Garoppolo driving the car. Yeah, think about it. another six, say it's another six weeks of practice, some preseason left for him. Um, I, I, for Trey, I think 
you know, two months from now, how much more comfortable is he in this offense? Um, and how much more, you know, do you just kind of feel good about putting him out there? So I think a little bit more time and I think he'll get his shot. All right. Andy Dalton in Chicago. Now, this does not Surprising. surprise me. See, it surprises you. Okay, it doesn't surprise me only because of the head coach's comments a little more than a week ago when he said someone in the Chicago media asked Matt Nagy about yep. Andy Dalton. And have you seen enough from him to make an evaluation here for week one? And, and he said, no, we need to see Andy Dalton in the regular season. Okay, that's all I need to hear. Yeah. And you're not going to say, we need to see Andy Dalton the regular season, but let Justin Fields start the first few weeks. And then, well, wait, we still need to see Andy Dalton. No, like Andy Dalton will start week one, and that might be it for him. I don't know. He sounds very motivated here by you know uh, being on another team and having a top pick behind him who yeah. clearly is very talented. Andy Dalton sounds like a guy like, I'm not just going to let go of this job. So it won't stun me if he plays pretty well for the first three, four weeks, yeah. and then kind of takes a little bit of a nosedive. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised by this just because we've, you know, how long have we now seen Andy Dalton for various teams? And like, eh, okay, he's, yeah. you know, he took, he did what he did with the Bengals, but I, to me, he's on the other side of the hill in his career. And there's so much potential there with Justin Fields. I am, it's kind of like talking out both sides of my mouth with, Trey Lance and Justin Field. They're obviously different players. They come from very different schools, the levels of competition that they face, how much they've played recently, which Trey Lance hasn't played a game in almost two years or played one game in, in two years. Um, but I still think like Justin Fields is just a little different. So I wouldn't have been surprised if they handed him the ball. But Andy, Do like the stuff that he's come out to say has yeah. been like super fiery. I mean, the redhead in him is out and he is fired up. He's he said, you know what, Justin Fields, something to the effect of Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback, but right now is my time. And I was like, whoa, that's strong. Love that. And strong. look, you, I, I really do believe you need, whether or not you say it publicly, mm -hmm. you need that as part of who you are in order to be a successful quarterback in this league. Like Tom Brady doesn't say a lot of that stuff, but you know, yeah. in here and here and deep down, Tom Brady believes he's the best to have ever played the position and he's not wrong he's got everything to back him up but even at 44 Tom Brady believes I'm the best guy on the field every single time I step out there I'm the best player here that there is that bravado that you absolutely need until he shows otherwise and like you said the seven Super Bowl trophies help like Andy Dalton doesn't have any of that no. so to to say stuff like that I was just a little surprised yeah no I'm I'm, I'm with you I absolutely loved it who's going to be the starting quarterback in New England Cam Newton missing some time, COVID protocols. Does that give Mac Jones the inside track near now? Or is Cam still the best option if this Patriots team is going to win some games? I, I, I do think it's still going to be Cam. I don't think Belichick is going to go to the rookie unless he absolutely has to. I think he's going to give Cam the opportunity. And, and based yeah. on health and performance, that's when we'll see Mac Jones. But if you said to me, hey, Honorado, Mac Jones wasn't going to play at all this year, I'd say, okay, Patriots are probably 10-7 and seven at the end of it all and, and fighting for a playoff spot. Cam Newton can still be good enough. I don't yeah. love him um, because I don't think he, he's effective enough as a pocket passer, but I think he can be good enough with this team that they are still in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think I also think it will be Cam to start the year, but sort of like – 
San Francisco, I think it may go to Mac Jones quicker than not. Like if they, if that team ends up like last year's Patriots team, I think you make the move to Mac a lot, a lot quicker than you would have otherwise. You know what I mean? Cause you didn't have Mac last year. Um, so you kind of had to ride Newton cause you didn't have a better option than that. Yep. Now you have potentially a better option, at least a younger option. Um, and if Mac Jones is, does anything like he did against the Giants in a scrimmage yesterday, let me tell you something. He'll be playing really quick. He was something like 20 of 25 yeah. to start the game. And and I get it. It's a scrimmage. It's the Giants. But he seems like the type of guy, an Alabama guy, he's going to take advantage of every opportunity. And if that means taking advantage of time when Cam is out for whatever the reason, the protocol, whatever, he doesn't care. He's getting first first rep snaps, and he's going to take advantage of that. So I don't think it'll be long before we see Mac Jones either. Belichick is going to strike gold with Mac Jones, isn't he? Yeah, he always does. He always I mean, does. it just I mean, – He's made – he's turned every quarterback into some – it's, like, amazing how – but – and hear me out. Like, people wanted Matt Castle. People wanted Jimmy Garoppolo because he was – they were these understudies with Bill Belichick. And whether or not they turned into anything, he still has that effect. Like Belichick can have that effect on everyone, but you strike gold with a Tom Brady, and now you could do potentially the same thing. Listen, he was a first first round draft pick, so it's not he's not Tom Brady. He's different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it feels it always feels that way with Belichick. I mean, look, Jarrett Stidham has not worked out, and I thought he had a real potential, potential in, in yeah. New England, um, but Stidham has not worked out. All right, this question is leading me into where yeah. I was going next. I Who is starting biggest, in New Orleans? Yeah, I think it's the biggest QB question of the season. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, And that's two veterans. It's not even you don't have a first-round draft pick that's involved. This is two veterans duking it out. And I'm Who do you sure think it should they're... be? Who do you think it should be? Not will be. Who do you think it should be? I would go with Taysom Hill. I, and I don't think it will be Taysom Hill. I think it'll be Jameis Winston. But I think you'll see Taysom Hill get reps oh. like they've done all along. I mean, it's listen, they've used that guy out of the Wildcat more more often than not the last four or five years. So he will get opportunities. Um, I would go with Taysom Hill. But because Jameis is the same way, like you were talking about the, the highs and lows, there are no higher highs and lower lows than with Jameis Winston. Yeah. And I would – if I'm Sean Payton, I, I, I'm starting with Jameis Winston because, again, down the field, I, I just think this yeah. offense can be better with Winston at his best. Now, like you said, you don't get his best every week. You might only get it every other week, and I know that's not great. So maybe maybe Hill really becomes the guy. Eventually. There's no doubt Taysom Hill is going to play a yeah. good amount. Yeah. Um, that one is really intriguing to me because New Orleans can be a really good football team if Michael Thomas decides he's really going to play. Uh, that that can be a really good team, and it's the quarterback position now holding them back for the first time in a very, very long time with Drew Brees uh, having retired. Washington football team, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and for how long? Yeah, I think you still go – I think you go Fitzpatrick. And it may not be the whole season, but that guy is good enough to win football games. He's proved it everywhere he's mm -hmm. been. He's good enough to win football games. And he feels just like a good – he's a great veteran presence, leadership. He feels like a good locker room guy. So, yeah. like, I'm going Fitzpatrick all the way. That's a super talented team. I mean, defensive – all people want to talk about is defense, but they can get the job done on offense. 
And if that defense is 80% of what people think it could be, they're going to be okay. Look, if you're Ron Rivera, you you speak frankly with Fitzpatrick and you say, our defense is good enough to win games on its own. You cannot turn the ball over. I don't care if you're throwing multiple touchdowns. I don't need you to do that. I need you to, I'm not going to say manage the game because I hate, you cannot turn the ball over. And that has been, you know, Fitz Magic and Fitz Tragic have been the two sides of his career. You cannot give us Fitz, Fitz Tragic. I don't need Fitz Magic. I don't need that. But you cannot give us Fitz Tragic. Don't go out and lose us games. I don't need you to win us games necessarily, yeah. but don't go out and lose us games. Maybe we'll do more NFL predictions. You'll be with us again next week. Um, and we will have Nick Mangold on the show. little adjusting with his schedule was sched- was going to be part of today's show. He's going to be with us next week, the former Jet Center, a seven-time Pro Bowler, one of the franchise's absolute best players ever, will be on Honorado and Bagnardi next week. But who do you think wins the NFC East? Is it Washington's to lose? I don't know. I mean, that division is such a a crapshoot for uh, – I, I, I think if Dallas is healthy, I think Dallas can win. I, I think they're sure. – I think if any team is healthy, any team can win that division. I'm kind of out on the Eagles this year. I don't even know that they know which direction they're headed. Um, I'm still out on the Giants. It's it's so dependent on Daniel Jones, whether or not this team is going to be good or bad. Uh, so I think between Washington and Dallas, but I might go Dallas. I know. I would I would love to put – I think Dallas is the favorite to win that division, which okay. I, I hate because – yeah. You feel like you should be able to make some money on betting ja- Dallas to win the NFC. Yeah, but I guess, if, okay, if I look at the roster and everybody's healthy, they're they're certainly the most talented team in that division. I would love to put money on Dallas to win that division just because I feel like I should get longer odds than I'm currently getting. But you're you not going to make enough money off them. You might get it with yeah. Washington. Yeah. Uh, and we did have a viewer ask, how did the Jets lose with that guy? Do you remember his season with the Jets Fitzmagic? I'm talking uh, Fitzmagic. Fitzpatrick I'm talking about. <laughs> He had them in Buffalo week 17. Now, it's a great trivia question. Who owns the New York Jets franchise record for most passing touchdowns in a single season? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick, 33 of them. Um, Interesting. He had that team in Buffalo week 17 against a not good Bills team. Needed to, The Jets needed to win. If they win, they're in. In, yep. And he threw three or four interceptions and a couple of them in the end zone. I mean, stuff that you just cannot do. And that's where you get the two-headed monster that that he is. But he's a guy I root for all the time. Uh, you know, his story is is so good. And he's been yeah. with so many teams that, you know, you'd love to see him succeed. It was kind of fun with what he did in Miami, bringing them back from the yep. depths of, of games at certain points. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see with Washington. That, that division, the the NFC East, of course, is is incredibly, incredibly interesting. Yeah. It, w- it right, was come incredibly ba- mediocre, and now it's like feels like it's getting a little better, so we'll see. Yeah. When we come back here on Honorado and Bagnardi, a performance and multiple ones at that, at the Little League World Series that are absolutely must-watch highlights, maybe full games. We'll talk about with what a kid from South Dakota is doing in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. That's next right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. At Marcella's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on. 
for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Jenner, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. Teams. Athletes. Organizations. We're transforming the custom apparel industry through product and purpose. Claim your crown. Happiness is found in simple things. The sun on your face, sharing laughs, at the campground, getting wet, relaxing together, the love of family. There's never been a better time to go outside and play. Alpenhouse Pool Spa Boat and RV, bringing families together and creating memories since 1964. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. All right, wrapping things up on this week's show. Again, new logo added to the board. Pick 6 Vodka, our partner for what will be Honorado and Bagnardi's NFL Pick'em each and every week once we get rolling. September 9th will be the first time you can take part in that, and we'll continue to roll it out on social media as to how you can join us. But we, we will have a viewer selected at random every single week, picking against both me and Sean and an opportunity to win a pick six prize pack each and every week. Going to be really, really cool. And then a larger grand prize uh, at the end of it all. So we're looking forward to that and uh, and really happy to have the partnership with pick six. Our thanks to everybody at Saratoga Courage uh, Distillery. Sam says eight and nine, good enough to win the NFC East this year. I, I was going to say Stop. Five, really? a game over 500. I really? Think uh, yeah, I don't think it'll be game under. I think it'll be game over. Okay. All right. Um, are you a Little League World Series fan, Ash? I am. I, it's so funny. I think, like, no one cares about, in terms of, like, I'm not going to watch Little League Baseball until Williamsport, when Little League, the Little League World Series comes on. And I didn't, I wasn't sure that I was, but I popped it on here the other day when I was just kind of hanging out before work. And I watched five innings of a game in, like, an hour. And I thought, now this is great. I, yeah. I watched almost a full game in an hour. I mean, when you got when you have guys like the one you're about to talk about, there's a good reason why you're watching a, a full, almost a full game in an hour. Six innings, it's easy, it's it's good, it's fun. It's like good, genuine fun. You know what I mean? It just feels so good. Like these kids are obviously in it for all the right reasons. They're 11 and 12 years old, so this is like the highlight of their lives, young lives to this point. Yeah, I, I am not a Little League World Series fan. I think you know that. I have no interest in watching 12-year-olds play baseball on my TV. I don't care how good they are. This Gavin Weir is off the charts. Now, yep. when you have somebody like Gavin, now I'm interested. Yep. I will I will watch him pitch, or I would at least keep tabs on what he's doing, yep. and, and I'm interested in the highlights. But the regional stuff, and then yep. before maybe even you get to a championship, I don't – I'm not going to sit there and watch on TV. I don't care. I mean, I don't, 
I, I don't watch minor league baseball on TV. Those are professionals. Yeah. So the little league stuff, I just, I've been to Williamsport for it. It's fun. Yep. Being there for it is different than sitting at home and watching on TV. Now, props to what Gavin Weir's doing. Two no-hitters at the Little League World Series. The last no-hitter, he had 14 strikeouts. So the kid's been straight. unbelievable from Sioux Falls. no-hitters. Yes, but two at the Little League World Series. And then two in regionals. Yes. I, it's, it's unreal what he is doing. So awesome for him. Mm -hmm. I love the story. Um but but yeah, you're, you're, this is not appointment viewing for me every single summer the way it is for some people. Yeah, and I don't know that it's appointment viewing for me either. I just kind of enjoy <laughs> Jay's Jay's out. He doesn't like it. But he does uh, say. I, but Gavin, yeah, yeah okay. locked in. Yeah, I enjoy. And, and this year's different. It's only teams from the U.S. So it's. Uh, but I kind of love like when you get you know the videos when like the teams are dancing on the sidelines and you've got the team from the Philippines, you know, hanging out with the team from Arizona. Like, I just think it's, it's so good to see. It's just, again, genuine. Like they're just young kids, like growing up, having fun, making friends from all over the world. Generally now this yep. year, all over the country. Um, and I love it, but the only time it really becomes like story, like you said, it's storyline. So this year it's Gavin Weir. It was Monet Davis. It was Danny Almonte way back when. Like yeah. that is when Who it was really blows up and gets crazy. I think the coach that gave this ridiculously inspiration yep, was, was that Rhode up. Island. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, he was mic'd up. Yeah, unbelievable. Those I, the Nuggets. Give me the mm -hmm. little Nuggets from it. And again, like I don't need those games to be live on TV for me to yeah. get those necessarily. Mm -hmm. We could just have. I, mean, I guess they have to air somewhere to get yeah. the highlights, but. I think you get what you know what I'm getting at here that I don't need to sit down and watch these games. I love the little nuggets though of, of storylines that that come out of it. I'm 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 good with that. But these num have you seen? I mean, these numbers are absurd. Like dating back to his his four through his four no hitters, 132 batters faced, one hit. So we're going before a no hitter, six walks, 114 strikeouts out of 132 batters. So not only is nobody getting a hit, no one's even really making contact. Yeah. And he is... Um, and the comps to Chris Sale are real. Like, they put him side yeah, by side. Yeah. Like the throwing motion, the, the build, it's all pretty identical, which is fun. And he's throwing somewhere in the mid-70s, I think, is where his fastball's living. And that's, you know, extrapolated because they're right. only however many feet from home plate, yep. not the home 60 plate. feet and six inches. Um yeah, really, really cool what uh, what he is doing. So, Gavin Weir, I'm on board. Look Little up. League World Series, eh, you got to give me something special to focus in on each and every single summer. Ash, this was a lot of fun. We're back to do it again next week. Chris Honorado and Ashley Miller in for Sean here on Honorado and Bagnardi. And next week, we'll be joined by former Jet center Nick Mangold. We'll see you then.